everybody. Welcome to So Fast, So Furious, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time, so we're watching the Fast and Furious movies a quarter hour at a time. I'm Zach Bassetta. I am Vito Lapicola. I'm back, bitches. Yeah. Anthony Ray Bench. Vroom, vroom. Anthony Ray Bench. Nice to have you, Anthony. Nice to be with all three of you guys. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like the uh, it's like the um, and in that ultimate ultimate team up. Really. What's that? It's the ultimate team up, but the team is back, just That's like right. in the movies. Got the whole crew back together. Um, with family. <laughs> so we're we're smack in the middle of, of Furious Six. So that's exciting. I was I was talking to Anthony a little earlier, and it sounds like he liked this uh, this segment. Yeah, I dug it for the most part. There's a lot. This, to this talk is about. one of the best segments. I mean, for in terms I dug of it. fight, yeah, fight choreography, and there's some really great character moments and stuff between Han and Tej. You know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, uh, Han and Rome. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, totally. I love I love this off. Yeah. Um, so I, I went back to, uh, I didn't get to listen to the audio commentary for the previous 15 minutes and I went back and listened to that. And I did think it was interesting that Justin Lin mentioned specifically that he doesn't say whose idea the stuffy British Butler guy was, uh, but that he felt the scene was tonally different from the rest of the film and was really nervous about including it because it was shifting away from what he felt, uh, was the core of the franchise. However, he decided to embrace it and go with it. So it's interesting that he brought that up and, you know, it makes me wonder, was that maybe a, a Dwayne Johnson idea? You know, where did that idea come from? It's, it's one of the most ludicrous scenes in the entire series, honestly. Yeah. And we don't mean Chris Bridges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I just did not feel that that scene and any, uh, I, I like it, it well, it's also it's it's a weird thing because like especially today with like, uh, it, it was very emasculating for that guy, you know. And I mean, it's like you're supposed to be the heroes of the movie. Why yeah. would you, you know? They, they this guy was just being kind of a douchebag, but that doesn't mean you have to like take his clothes and humiliate him. I mean, it was yeah, just like it was like a step too far. But I agree. And uh, one other interesting thing, uh, since we're watching the extended version. The line that Peru says about the escort was not in the theatrical release, so that oh, interesting. slightly disturbing line was not included in the original release. I have no I idea what you're guess. talking about because I, I watched the theatrical release. Well, at one point, so uh, Giselle and Riley go up to the blonde dude that's shooting that grappling gun, right? And he's like, uh, "Well, the only reason two gorgeous ladies would show up here is if someone called the escort service, and I haven't done that today." But you know, Zach, you're 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 giving the guy such such panache. Like he says, it's so it's so creepy because he's like, I didn't order an escort. <laughs> I mean, it's so like creepy the way he right, says it. Right. Like he's just such a piece of shit. Totally agree. Apparently, this was a guy that uh, Justin Lin had seen in a short film at Con or something, and and just liked him so much had him had to get him into the movie. I, I do like that Justin Lin uses a lot of the same actors over and over. You can tell that he has a good rapport because mm-hmm. uh, Joe Joe Taslim, who is in the movie in a few minutes, you know, he's the guy that uh, Han and Rome fight. He's also mm-hmm. on the new show Warrior. He's really good. I mean, he's an amazing, amazing stunt and fight performer. Nice. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, Brian. Here. Well, back into the the fifteen this section of the fifteen minutes where uh, Brian and Dom have just cleaned. Clean shop at the pawn shop, and uh, 
Brian asked the pawn shop owner where they can find Letty. He just told her, told them that she was there. And the pawn shop owner says he doesn't know. Does he look like a racer? He says. Dom slams him into the window one more time and knocks him out saying, no, you don't. Well, you know, that that was <laughs> odd to me because it's like <laughs> – why why do why do people in movies like pawn shop guys and like all these low level street how the hell would he know where I mean, it's not like when letty comes in he's like so where do you hang out you know what i mean it's like they always they always expect him to be like the huggy bear of the yeah, yeah. of the underworld where they know everything it's like i don't fucking know i sold the chick a gun she came into my shop it was two weeks ago i mean what do you want you know well, and he no beats the shit know. out of the guy yeah yeah so for, well, for good measure. somebody's hmm? been watching the crow too much <laughs> oh you're right you know it is weird how that that does kind of have a crow feel to it now that i think about it mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's the vibe i was getting it with this movie in particular like it it's taking a lot from from the comic book genre like with you know all the dark knight references and and similarities mm-hmm. and stuff like that and now the crow like <clears throat> well I, I think they're thinking of them more as superheroes at this point. Maybe not explicitly, but... Maybe it's intentional, or maybe it's just... We're so kind of, I I guess, oversaturated with with superhero movies that we're kind of putting that in our own heads, maybe. Could be. There's there's one every month, isn't there? (laughs) Seems like. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Um, but there's, I also thought when, when Brian and Dom leave the, the pawn shop, there's a really cool overhead shot where you see the two duff dudes, uh, laid out on the floor as Brian and Dom leave. And as Brian exit, exits, he changes the open sign to a closed sign and says, take care guys. Very cool. He says says it so casually. And Yeah. yeah, I love, I love that moment. I liked him turning the sign and having a little last word and. Oh, I, I do have to point out. I, I think that uh, I think that in this movie in particular, Paul Walker is very good. Like again, we we give him a lot of shit, but he's very good in this movie. Because I think they give him stuff that makes sense for his character. Like I said, I think in a previous episode, it seems like he's the one that's doing all of the the police work. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. No, there there is one scene, and we'll get to it. That kind of bothered me. Um, it seemed like. With Brian specifically? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a weird, weird edit. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay, yeah, point it out for sure. For sure. Um, then we cut to uh, Giselle and Riley, who are still with Farouz, our favorite blonde grapple gun tester. And uh, they're inside the building now. And while they're in there, Han and Roman see a vehicle pull aggressively into the front area of the building. And Letty gets out of this car with a couple of other Shaw of uh, Shaw's men, Ivory and Jaw. And may, may I point out that uh-huh. uh, that Han and Rome have now bonded. They're snacking together, like in the yeah. last scene. I love it that they're sharing snacks now. It's it's such it's those little subtle moments that make you really love Justin Lin's directing. You know what I mean? Like totally, because Han's always snacking and Roman's always hungry. Yeah, and and so they're like sharing like these little snack bites as the car pulls up. I, I love that moment. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so the the Owens men uh, they approach the office, and Farouz says, "Sorry, girls." Just as the two guys with Letty open fire with Farouz still in there, and you get a really quick look from Letty, who's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" One of our guys is in there, 
So she's starting to pick up on these uh, things that maybe Owen's group isn't so great. Yeah, she she reacts like she doesn't realize that it was a hit. You know what I mean? Like right, she yeah. she's like, "What the fuck?" And it is funny because Riley starts shooting at her in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in a few seconds. It's like she's not even doing anything, and you just start shooting at her. <laughs> He's one of the bad guys. Yeah, that's true. And uh, ironically, Farouz is the only one mowed down by the gunfire. Uh, apparently he's expendable or I'm not sure what the thinking is there by Shaw's men. They just don't care, I guess. Karma's karma's kind of a bitch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It is it is ultimately ironic that he was the one who dies out of everyone there. Uh, well, other than, again, we're going to see Ivory get shot in the head. I think. Right, but, right. But they take uh, Farouz out pretty quick. Did that disturb you, Anthony? Um, no, not really. It seems like everybody who rats in this movie gets it. I mean, mm. this is the second case of that happening. Snitches get stitches, man. Indeed. But he was trying to entrap them. Like, he was, you know, trying to... He didn't think they were going to show up and that he'd get shot. Yeah, but yeah, still, he, he gave he them definitely information. Didn't think, True. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't think that there was going to be gunfire, you know? Because he's still sitting there. He doesn't even stand up. And also, I mean, right afterwards, he, he gives up the Braga info. Mm-hmm. So, well, he's, he's, yeah, he's not in good shape. No. Well, you know, she, she does, though, say to him, she says, you know, if you tell me who did this, I promise you, or if you if you tell me where Shaw is, I promise you I'll get revenge for you. So she basically, mm-hmm. she's like, you're going to fucking die, dude. You may as well give something yeah. up. I mean, at that point, what do you have to lose? Exactly. And uh, yeah. Roman and Han have, have seen this. And so they rush down there to help. And uh, the, the other two are still shooting. Letty's still looking sort of concerned. And, uh, while she's doing that, Riley emerges from around a concrete pillar and shoots at Letty, but she misses. Letty pulls a gun while Roman and Han run around back, and they also draw weapons. Everyone's got guns out at this point. It's a big shootout. Yeah, and I, I did want to point something out, too. Beginning in mm-hmm. the scene as well, the dynamic between Han and Rome is really good. Like, Rome is, is way less bombastic with him, and mm-hmm. he's a lot more respectful with Han because I think Han treats him like an equal. Like, Han's the only guy who doesn't really talk shit to Rome. In the entire series, you know, so they developed this like great, you know, relationship in this, these moments. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm the most critical, um, of, of the Roman character out of the three of us. And I I really enjoyed, um, Tyrese's acting in this. It was very, I guess, subdued and not as wacky and not as, you know, cringeworthy for me. Sure. Sure. Um, there's a, a certain line that he says later on that um the way he says it like i legitimately like you know laughed mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. was it was good because it wasn't like you know kind of a wacky cr- improvised joke yeah it wasn't kind of a chris tucker delivery you know do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth <laughs> exactly yeah just that great Dude, the- like comedy um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um What's overdone is what I think you're you're talking. It, it's 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 way too hyper, you know. Mm-hmm. It's hyper comedic for the rest of the tone of the movie. Yeah. But you know, as we're gonna see in the fight scene, I think it's it's at the end of this fight scene that's coming up. Yes, it's not played for laughs. It could have been really done as a wacky rush hour type situation, but they played mm-hmm. it completely serious. And I think you know that's amazing because it does give Rome something to do other than to be a goofball. You know, mm-hmm. he he's always the guy that they play off of and, and make look like an idiot. But in this scene, 
you know, he comes off as really competent. And I yeah. do think it's because Han Han is the only person who doesn't talk shit to him. So they look at each other as equals. They, you know, so Han, he, in a weird way, it makes you sympathetic for Rome because you realize he's trying to be funny to get people to like him. And that just causes them to be more of an asshole to him. You know what I mean? I but I, he's actually a serious dude. I don't agree with the. We're we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but the line that you're referencing, I'm thinking, is the same line that I'm referencing. Um, but, but I have a lot to say about that, so yeah, it's probably the same one. Well, I I just want to say, like, I think it was played for laughs, but Tyrese just upped his game with the delivery and did something of- special with it instead of you know. Well, and I also think that Han's character specifically, like there's no pretension with him. Like he doesn't really pick on anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a very like kind of straight up kind of character. And maybe that's something that Roman kind of appreciates about him. You know, yeah, I can't, he doesn't have to put on ears. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, whatever um, it is, they, they're great together. I yeah. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and they they flank the newly arrived henchmen in the in the office. They're shooting at him, but they miss. The assault rifle well wielding thugs, uh, Ivory and Jaw, they turn their attention to Han and Roman shooting at him. Letty, meanwhile, is still with Riley. She's out of bullets, tosses her gun. Letty runs for it, and Riley chases her. So they've kind of split apart with uh, Riley and Letty and uh, the other two. Or chasing after the other two. Um, let's see, real quick. Uh, one of the assault rifle guys runs out of ammo as well. Roman and Han chase after him. So there's all kinds of m- maniacal stuff going on. People are shooting left and right. Uh, let's you, see. you know what really sucks is when you go out on a hit with mm-hmm. an automatic rifle and you run out of bullets and you no one's out. dead. I know, right? If you're, doing happens, really, you're doing a really shitty job as a hitman. If no one's dead other than your own guy, you had a hundred chances to shoot them. <laughs> um, but of course, Farouz is the only one that gets hit in all of this. And uh, Giselle's there with him. She tells him to tell her where to find Shaw and she'll make sure he pays for all of this. So like you said, Farouz starts to reach into his pants pocket for his phone. He's struggling to get it. So Giselle grabs it for him. And then Farouz says, Braga. Dude, I got to say, dun, though, dun, when, dun. when he reached... When he reached for his pocket, I thought he was going to be like, suck my dick. And I'm not saying that to be like crude. I thought he was going to be like. about three minutes of life left. Help me out. Yeah, I thought I thought he was going to do something obscene. You know what I mean? But like she realized that is, you know, like a finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, may I also point out, you guys, this yeah. is the first scene. We've we finally gotten Giselle's name in this movie, mm-hmm. and this is finally a time we get to see her in full badass Mossad action. Because yeah, when, sure. when she she basically commands Furs when he's dying, she says, "Stay with me." She doesn't beg him; she commands him, and it's as if death is like, "Oh fuck, I better back off." Like he, she, she literally wills him to stay alive long enough to get the information. Yeah. You know, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, I, I like that a lot, and uh, it, it, you're right; it did give her kind of a a thing to do. Whereas I don't know if she's had a specific thing to do <laughs> up until now. Right. Um, and so ivory, the other, uh, of Shaw's men, he's, he hops on a motorcycle for some reason. I think he's trying to chase down uh, Roman and Han, but as he starts to drive off, he's shooting back at Giselle who calmly takes aim and shoots him down. Dude, one, one shot to the head, man. And that was where I was like, finally, 
we can see her as she was meant to be in the series. You know what I mean? She's yeah. she should be that cold, competent, cool badass. And mm-hmm. she is in this. I mean, one shot, dude. But you, to be fair, he should have been wearing a helmet. Might have <laughs> might have lived. I, I agree. But it, it is an interesting uh, juxtaposition because he's just like pop, 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 pop. And she like takes her time, takes a breath, kills him. It's great. And it's it's gotta be hard firing a pistol and hitting a man in the head while it's while he's moving. So exactly. it just it just I was so happy that she finally got her badass moment, you know. Totally. Did yeah. that give you a, a full boner, Anthony, or just a half one? Uh, half semi? Dude, okay. what? Man, Anthony, <laughs> you don't do half boners. It's full boners or nothing. That's right. Well, did you like Giselle? Fair enough. Hmm? I, I, I was saying fair enough to, to Vito commenting on my, my penis. Um, <laughs> it's um, the state of the penis, not the penis itself. Yes, yes. Uh, well, fair enough then, too. The circumstances surrounding the piece. Uh, right. No, I uh, I wrote in my notes, um, I I really enjoyed this sequence. Um, it's it's cool to see, like, Gal Gadot and, and Gina, am I saying this right, Carano? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, just be badasses. Like, you know, they're, they're active and, and kind of seeing the men... Well, Roman and Han kind of take a backseat to the action was was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, and I liked seeing. I don't everyone... know if it gave me a boner, but you know, I know just it was, it was good to see. I was not sexually aroused either during this part, um, but I, I did like how everyone kind of splits up. Everyone kind of gets their own thing, and uh, they all find themselves in the London subway system somehow. I guess this warehouse is attached. It's got a metro station behind it or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the geography here was a little odd because it's like there's yeah. no one up there, you know, upstairs, and then suddenly downstairs is just packed with people. I, I loved this scene though. I, I loved it. So they get down there in the the subway system or whatever. Riley catches Letty, slams her into the wall. They start to fight. Riley tries to put a pair of handcuffs on Letty, but she only gets one on there, which was kind of cool. And uh, so Letty Letty pulls free. Dude, and, I loved how Letty used the handcuffs as a brass knuckle. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah that was, was really so great. Awesome. Uh, well, the jaw, he's uh, run into a group of cops down monitoring the subway or whatever, and so he has to beat them up. And uh, I love the fight that happens afterwards because Han and Roman show up and kind of watch, but then, you know, jaw wins, and so they have to fight him too. And uh, that was one of my favorite parts of this 15 minutes. Yeah, it was Dude, great. I... I Oh, go ahead, Anthony. Well, it, it me and Zach were talking before we were recording. Um, like when when Han shows up, I was just like, "Oh, great!" Like Han's <laughs> fighting the other Asian guy, and it's gonna be like a kung fu battle with you know, Whoa! and all that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it was good to see Han get his butt kicked. <laughs> like totally, totally. It was well, you know, they're they're up against Joe Taslim, who was one of the stars of the Raid Redemption. Yeah. He's in The mm-hmm. Night Comes for Us. You know, I mentioned he was on The Warrior Show. Isn't this he going to is... be the next uh, Sub-Zero in the Mortal Kombat movie they just announced? Ooh, I haven't I heard that, but that sounds I awesome. I did not see that, but I... I Somebody from The Raid would have been is, a really... cast as Sub-Zero. It's... It... Uh, I'll have to look. I, I didn't see some of the casting. I saw the the one guy they mentioned, but I know that he uh, he's an actual badass in real life. He's trained in wushu and judo, 
taekwondo um he's won gold medals in in a lot of uh stuff i i thought he would have been a great shang chi actually but uh they cast a different guy but uh mm-hmm. i also wanted to point out that the fight choreography in this movie is fucking legit like uh it's meant or it's it's olivier schneider is the guy that's mentioned as the fight coordinator on imdb mm-hmm. but like the way that he he establishes the fighting like you see that riley and letty and Ja are like legitimate fighters mm-hmm. and roman han are like melee street brawlers like sure. the way you not know, very that, good that's ones like, either no <laughs> yeah it is it's a concept that was that was really i think introduced in modern film at least by guillermo del toro and blade 2 which is turkey's done oh. well what's yeah. that Oh, it's my stupid my, – my laptop is somehow hooked up to my phone, and every time I get a text message, it makes this damn beep, bing sound. You're a popular man, Zach. In Blade Two, Guillermo del Toro, basically, he did this really innovative concept with the fight choreography where a lot of times you'd see in a movie, the, when the people are fighting, everybody has the same fighting style, especially in like old kung fu movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he did was he had different fight choreographers come in and train each of the different characters. And then when they would fight, they would incorporate those styles into the fight choreography and it made it more organic and real. And that's kind of what they were doing in this movie, which I thought was really cool. Hey Vito. Yes. Uh, what was the, the dude's name, uh, from the raid? Joe Taslim. Yeah. He is the next sub zero. Dude. Amazing. Yeah. He's, he's really good. In this movie. He was casted on, um, uh, July nine or ninth. July 9th. Awesome. Very recent. Yeah. Um, and there's also a lot of interesting editing during this scene because they're constantly cutting back and forth between Riley and Letty and Han Roman and Jaw. And you're, you, I didn't get confused. So no. I thought that was pretty cool. Now, and I love it because like Letty and, and Gina Carano's character are like kind of like matched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you cut to, you know, Han and Roman getting their butt kicked. And I, I thought that was a fun juxtaposition. No, that is interesting because, yeah, like, Letty is not a bad guy, you know, to the viewers. Yeah. And, you know, spoiler alert, we don't really know it yet, but Riley is a bad guy. So we can't see one I didn't of them. Know that. I thought we, well, you listened to the last episode. Oh, well. Anyway, sorry, Anthony. <laughs> um, <laughs> because. You can't have, you know, the beloved Letty really uh, be beaten. Um, well, you know, I, I do find, okay, so this does dovetail in with one of the stories that was released recently in the news about how all of the actors in the Fast and the Furious franchise have a clause. We've <laughs> talked about this well, before, where well, none of them can, can lose you, a fight. Can you save that, Anthony, um, Vito, for the end? Because that, that is actually something that comes up at the end of this fight that I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, because the, yeah, I, I had some. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about that too. Okay, and, please I'll, do. and I'll just get. I'm sorry. No, please do go ahead. Okay. So I'll just go through really quickly. Uh, Riley gets Letty into an armbar. Uh, they cut back to um, Han and Roman, who's taken on Jaw. Roman even accidentally hits Han at one point. Like they're totally getting their asses kicked, which is fucking great. And Dude, you know, uh, you know what was great was when they were about to rush. Jaw, like mm-hmm. they, they 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 paused for one second and then Han like slaps. He, yeah. he like backhands, you know. He he hits him in the shoulder like, come on! And they go yeah. charging yeah. in. It's like really good camaraderie, man. Yeah. Totally loved it. Um and oh yeah, because they're they're kind of overwhelmed and Han and Roman briefly argue over who should attack next. That was great. And Letty's still in the arm bar. She's about to get her arm broke. Uh, she bites Riley's leg in desperation and gets free. 
She gets to her feet and spears Riley down a flight of fucking stairs. Dude, that tumble is brutal. Okay, so for those of you who've been listening to the show uh, quite a bit, we had Mario Rocha, who is a fight choreographer, on um, maybe about seven or eight episodes ago. Yeah. And I remember he was telling me once he did a stair tumble. Those are very dangerous for stunt performers. Gosh, I can imagine. They have, um, they have this, like, it's almost like a soft back brace that you put under your clothing to protect okay. you from, basically from breaking your back. And you slide the, the braces on, I think, on the chest and on the back. And basically what it does is you can slide down the stairs without it, like, damaging or bruising your body. But that tumble is, I mean, they're actually rolling down the stairs. So, Kudos to the two stunt performers who did that because they had to have been bloody and bruised at the end of the day if they did that more than once. And it looked great. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Han and Roman continue to get their asses handed to them with Roman getting thrown through some glass. Uh, Letty gets behind Riley and starts to choke her with those handcuffs. She's utilizing the handcuffs, which is fucking great. Uh, Then she sees a subway just about to leave, so she hops on that just in time and gets away. Um, Dude, I loved uh, how Roman Hans team up wasn't. We were talking about this earlier, Anthony. It wasn't played for laughs. It, it it could be seen as a little comical, but it wasn't so over the top that it was like slapstick. I mean, there are real used, stakes. Exactly, and it uses the 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 situation for some <clears throat> some comedy. It doesn't force a joke in there. Like it's very organic. Yeah, because even even when when Rome accidentally punches Han, it's. You know, again, they could have really had him make a goofy quip there. It could have been really silly, but like you really believe that he punched him. I was like, that was a hard hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the fight scenes um, in this like tunnel sequence they were they were brutal, but not over the top and like not too unrealistic. Um, mm-hmm. Like they weren't punching through walls or throwing <laughs> heavy shit that no person alive could actually throw. Um, like it wasn't know, a matrix fight. Yeah, not like uh, f- you know, Fast and the Furious Eight or <laughs> Fate of the Furious. Um, mm-hmm. it, when when I thought of like before I started watching the movies, um, when I thought of Fast and the Furious, uh, like fight scenes, especially from all the stuff I heard about, you know, them like oh the heroes can't lose and all that crap. Um, did you guys ever see uh the spirit? Frank Miller's The Spirit film. I cannot bring myself to watch that. You're not, not even Scarlett Johansson. You're you're not missing much. The film's terrible, but there's this fight sequence uh, between the uh, the Spirit and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character. Like they're fighting in the mud or something, and he just like pulls out like a giant wrench out of nowhere, like no context, and just <laughs> I had it in my pants. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> I, I figured like that would be stuff that The Rock was doing, just like grabbing, like you know, like throwing a mountain at somebody. Oh, we'll get there. Like, yeah. Um, so it was really cool to see like a, a fight scene that, you know, was well choreographed, wasn't too over the top, you know, and served a story purpose. Yeah. yeah. Which is, and I'll and I'll bring this up. And this veto is what uh, you wanted to talk about a little bit ago. Uh, Joff, he finally leaves. He kind of looks at Han and Roman, and he's satisfied that they've had enough. So Han and Roman stand up, beaten. Roman looks at Han and says, no one has to know about this. Yes, 
perfect now, delivery. That line, so good. That line so was good. specifically put in by Justin Lin because Tyrese was upset about his character not being able to get any punches in. Even though it serves a story purpose that they have to fucking work together to defeat this actually formidable team. Right. And that that okay, so that does dovetail quite nicely with what I wanted to point out about, you know, this article that came out that said, you know, The Rock Jason Statham, Vin Diesel, all, all of the lead actors in this franchise have this contract that says that none of them can lose a fight. We've talked about this before on the show. But yeah. the absurdity of that is that I, I personally feel this this will probably piss off some of the fans of the franchise and stuff. But like a hero is way more amazing when they get their ass kicked a couple of times and then come back and win. Oh, I agree. Uh, it's the as, Rocky as, concept. Yeah, exactly. As, uh, exactly. And another prime example is if you watch either Yojimbo or Fistful of Dollars, things or like Die that. Or Die Hard. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like when when in Yojimbo, it's really amazing because he's this seemingly, you know, unbeatable samurai, but they catch him in a moment unaware and they beat the shit out of him for three days. And I mean, his eye is all swelled up and he's, you know, he manages to barely escape you know, with within an inch of his life. And then he has to recuperate and go back and take the bad guys out and figure out a strategy to win. Mm -hmm. And in a movie like this, you know, the villains, you know, we pointed this out again too a couple of weeks ago. It's like the villains are clearly more, more powerful than they are for the first time in the franchise. They should be able to get their asses kicked and then come back. That's what, that's what an audience wants to see. That's the story. Yeah. And, And so when you, when you get it where nobody wants to lose, it just, it, it, lowers the stakes considerably so spoilers um is this the last time it happens because you said it's the first time is it also the last time that the bad guys have an upper hand uh you know seven is still kind of a blur to me but i think this is the the only time it's super explicit okay other than eight other than eight because you know cypher or what was her name cypher cypher she's you know clearly ahead of the team 10 steps you know, the whole time. Yeah, but not but physically. It, if I remember correctly, right, right. like she doesn't like right. eat the crap out of anybody. They gotta um, figure out a plan. Yeah, this is the first time they've really been dominated physically. Yeah, physically manhandled. And nobody dominates Tom. That's my name. Uh, I so you know, going back to that that article that was circulating, um, I was reading it and they bring up like certain moves like had like points, like they were like, you know, yeah. like a a headbutt is like, you know, 10 points and we all have to have the same amount of points and whatnot. That's LARPing guys. <laughs> like yeah, that is ridiculous. straight up live action it's role ridiculous. playing. That is that's nerd hilarious. stuff. Like lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like, <laughs> that's so absurd to me. And also it, it kills the drama. Like you guys exactly. were saying, I mean, it just kills the drama. Anyone, in a, anyone that watches wrestling, Anthony knows how important it is for the hero to be beaten down yep. to see him vulnerable and then to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And it really surprises me, especially with, well, Vin Diesel, because he seems so interested in the storytelling and the rock, because he comes from pro wrestling that they don't under- seem to understand that. Yeah. Or it's a I, I think, I think they understand it implicitly, but they're they're I, you know, I can, I get that Vin Diesel you know that 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 Dom is, but he's supposed to be the mastermind of the team. I get mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that he, of all the people, should have that clause. But everyone else, it sure. should be fair game. I mean, seeing Brian get the shit kicked out of him. I mean, if you really think about Brian's storyline about how 
he has to overcome his own inner demons in order to become, you know, part of the team and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. what made him amazing. Mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as that storyline's over, what does Brian have to do? You know, he's the detective, but he loses a lot of his character because yeah, he, he's now no longer vulnerable. He doesn't have know? the internal conflict anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's you know. I, I mean, uh, we could even say that's indicative of, of filmmaking today as a whole, how, you know, the storytelling aspect of that and the mm-hmm. real, you know, character moments are getting swallowed up by the special effects and the importance of the of the main star. I mean, if you really look at like a guy like Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt's characters, he specializes in the guy that everybody thinks is the loser and the underdog who comes out on top. And people sure. love that about him. Well, yeah. Hey. And and I'm sorry to delve into Marvel territory, but every single Marvel movie, or, or at least the origin stories in the mm-hmm. MCU, had the hero get his butt kicked. Except mm-hmm. for one. Except for one film, and it's the film that is probably my least favorite, and I'm going to get a lot of crap for it, but Captain Marvel... That was my guess. <laughs> at no point did she get her butt kicked. At no point were there stakes... At no point was she in danger at all. And, and that's what yeah, I felt people, that not that it was a woman. It's that they don't show the vulnerability, that she doesn't have to earn it because she's a woman. Yeah. I'm yeah. all about strong female characters. Same. But well, I, I love, I love the, the Captain Marvel comics. I love, I love the character oh, they're Captain great. Marvel. I grew, up, I grew up with, like, you know, the original. I grew up with Monica Rambeau. I grew up, you know, so I've, I've loved Captain Marvel. But the movie itself... Yeah, I I wanted there to be more stakes. Yeah, I I can agree with you guys on that. She was she was just yeah. I didn't I, feel at any point that she was in any danger. I wanted more stakes and potatoes. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> there you there it is the Anthony joke of the day. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the one who's supposed to have the bad jokes. <laughs> well, hopefully, Fast and Furious uh, crew will realize you know the importance of you know storytelling and well, i mean they do clearly it's just there you can do so much more when you can have a character be vulnerable um, is this is this movie like the last like i i guess movie in the franchise that's grounded in reality because if i remember correctly in the next film the rock flexes and breaks a cast off his arm we're just gonna have to wait for, like the rest of the listeners okay. when we get to serious seven yeah and find out but you and are yes. i'm ready yes. yeah uh, so Letty, meanwhile, she's arrived back at uh, Owen's hideout with Jaw. She tells Owen that Ivory is dead. Owen thanks her for the information, but otherwise seems unconcerned. This I love Luke Evans. What? I'm sorry. I love Luke Evans. Like he's, he's great. He's great as this. He's uh, so yeah, he's great. Pretty great in this movie. He's so like he's, nonchalant he, about it. He's just like, thanks for letting me know. It's yeah, like, he's on a mission. Yeah. I love. I love though that he says, if Ivory's dead, he made a mistake. You make a mistake, you pay the price. Mm-hmm. And then she says, that's a great eulogy, Shaw. Are you going to give the same speech for the rest of us when we go out? And I love mm-hmm. there, there was one of those cheesy editing moments where it cuts to all the other members of the team, including Klaus going, oh, he's, like, he's it was like, like polishing a knife. Yeah, these these people are like super soldiers. You know what I mean? Like they they get it out of everyone there. The only person who should have been concerned was Letty. Because she's not right, a military yeah. person, That's you know what I mean. Everybody else is like, "We lost a guy, but we got to keep going," you know. And because there are there are casualties in this line of work, whereas with Letty, it's more about it's more about the team than the goal. 
I think. Well, the great thing about that is, is it's sentimentality. It's the old Letty that's pushing to come out. Yeah. You know, she's she's tough, but but even now she's got that family mindset. You know, yeah, you know, and that that's that's another great real character moment. There's like the old Letty wants to come out. She knows that there's someone in there that gives a shit about people, but she doesn't want to show it. I I have to bring this up. The science behind Letty's amnesia seems really (laughs) off. Oh, that's a can of worms. I'm no expert, but this just reeks of plot convenience. Like, wasn't there... How many... Go ahead. Hmm? How many people have you ever known who had amnesia? Leonard I. Who? You really knew a guy with... with, uh... No, the guy from Memento. Oh, okay. No, yeah, that's my point. Like, I've never actually known a real person to have amnesia. I'm sure it's nothing like the movies. I mean, it can't, you know, that you forget everything. I, but they wrote themselves into a corner. I mean, what else? I, I don't know what else they do. I think, well, I think they were just betting on the fact that the audience didn't give a shit. I, so, in uh, Fate of the Furious... Like, you know, I know we're jumping ahead, but Dom has, like, a character, like, a, a heel turn, essentially, for our wrestling fans. Um, and it's explained. And I wasn't satisfied with the explanation, but mm-hmm. it makes more sense than amnesia. They could have done something like that. They could have had it, you know, where, where Letty was trying to protect Dom and, and, you know, she joined up with this crew and then she mm-hmm. found out, you know, like, oh, Dom is part of the team that's, you know, trying to to take us down. Like, you know, like, I'm conflicted. Like, I have a, this mission with, you know, Shaw's men, but also, you know, a loyalty. Is, yeah, the the family and whatnot. Like, it could have been that. Like, the amnesia angle. It just <sighs> it, it makes no sense. Like, especially with you know, Fast and Fear, uh, Fast. Fast and Furious, like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just—it's it's very soap opera, you know. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> She's come out of the coma, you know. She doesn't remember anything. Yeah, I, I understand. It's like I said. It's like there's only so many ways you can go about it. So here we are, stuck in this plot convenience of her having amnesia. Well, if she got shot in the head, where's the scar? Did did she get shot in the head? Yeah, I thought she I'm was just sure she did. I, I thought it was just like I, the car crash that kind of rattled I her brain. It was the car crash that gave her amnesia, yeah. yeah. But who knows? Could go either way. Um, it was the screenwriter that gave her amnesia. Yes. It's probably it, it, never going to be brought up again. Yeah. It's just something you, uh, what is it, the sp- suspension of disbelief. Exactly. Just, if we can believe that the rock can jump safely off of an overpass onto another vehicle, <laughs> we can believe this. Yeah, that's um, true. And she storms out of the uh, room to go work on a car, obviously. And Shaw follows her. Owen tells her that she's the last one he would peg to be sentimental, which is funny because, like you were saying, Anthony, it means like he doesn't really know her. But how could he if she doesn't really know herself, I guess? Yeah. But how long has she been a part of the crew? Like, what's the. It's never really said. I mean, what's the timeline? I don't know if it ever really says. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of we we don't really know how long is between four and five uh, or five and six. I think. Okay. Because four and five are back to back. Five and six, we don't really know how long it's been. Long enough for I mean, we'll just say it. Long enough for Alina to get pregnant, but not show. I mean, I guess right. 
Well, um, I mean, if you think about it, Jack wasn't Jack like one or two. Didn't they? Oh. Did they establish his age at the beginning of the movie? He was like one or two years old. He might be so right. It's, it's, so it's been about two years, roughly. Okay, I, I'd buy yeah, that. She, she was, at the at the end of the last film, uh, Mia was about to. She was very heavy with child, so the assumption mm-hmm. was that she was about to have the baby, right? So, I would say it's it's at least a year to maybe two years. That's a good measurement. Yeah. Well, that's long enough to know somebody, I guess. But maybe it didn't come out until she saw Dom. She was a ruthless, cold-hearted killer until she saw Dom Toretto again. And where are these feelings coming from? What, what's right. this stuff coming out of my face? Today guys, on General least, Hospital. <laughs> yeah, at least at least we're not subject to those horrible, like, quick-cut flashbacks that you get with most amnesia sure. things where she's seeing herself being scooped up by the butt by um, and stuff and going, where are these memories coming from? If you're going to be cliche, <laughs> yeah. just go cliche all the way. I, I would have... Right. Totally embrace it. And never yeah. go full cliche. Never go flow cliche. <laughs> Well, Owen tells Letty that he likes her and basically says he even feels something resembling an emotion for her. He says that when he found her in the hospital, unable to remember anything, he felt like she was a gift. And that made him feel somewhat protective of her. I don't believe that story is true. I was going to say, what was he just trolling the local uh, <laughs> hospital for women in coma? Who doesn't remember anything? And, Thank and who, God who? I found the bride. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, what do you... What do you like? Why was he at the hospital? What Drago? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Totally. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. working with Braga, so maybe Braga was like, "Go check up on you know my driver or something like that." But I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of the movie why he was there and why he was like, "Hey, I'm going to turn this woman into a cold-blooded killer." Yeah. Even after you know, we learn a little bit more about it, I don't think it's very clear at all <laughs> how the transaction actually took place. Um, Did you notice, though, too, he he basically admits that he has feelings for her, but then gives that subtle threat because he says, I would hate to see you make a mistake, Well, which would says, imply that she would be dead. But he says first, yeah, he says uh, if something happened to Letty, he'd find that harder to bear than, say, Ivory. But, yeah, he says he hopes that she doesn't make a mistake kind of in a slightly threatening way. Yeah, because that was what he said about Ivory. You make a mistake, you die. So, you know, he was he was subtly, like, threatening her while also showing his love for her, which was kind of cool. Yeah, it's like, I, I, like, you're more important to me than, than Ivory, but at the end of the day, this mission is more important than anything. Plot, and holes, even if right. you die, hmm? Plot holes aside, Luke Evans killed this. He was awesome. Yeah, dude, he's really... It, by the way, for people listening, uh, if you have not seen the movie... Uh, oh, God, what was it called? It was it was the movie about the creation of Wonder Woman. Um, it oh, uh, Professor, uh, Professor Marston and the Women or something like that. And, and the Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing, amazing. Is he the lead in that? Yeah, yeah. He, plays, he plays the creator of Wonder Woman. I did not care him. for that movie, but he was really good in it. Yeah, he was very good. Well, Letty's either way, she's not uh, charmed by Owen. She's still pretty perturbed and says she's going to get some fresh air. She closes the car hood and leaves. We transition to the good guy's hideout, and some music plays that vaguely sounds like Oh Yeah by Yellow, but unfortunately isn't. You know the one I'm talking about? Nope. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Boom, oh. ow, ow. It was, it was like, bounce to bounce, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't that song, unfortunately. Uh, Dom is in a car. It was called Oh No by (laughs) Yeah, by Oh No. (laughs) Uh, Dom's in a car just revving it for no reason while Brian and the others watch him. (laughs) 
Roman, Han, and Riley come in looking beat up. Brian asks them what happened, and Riley says that they met Dom's girlfriend and that she was lovely. I loved that line delivery. Like it was so, like, it was so flippant. Yeah, and uh, I think it's the best uh, acting that Gina Carano has done ever. Yeah, we got to see her pull it off, even <laughs> if it was only once. She does. She does have some good too. moments in this movie. I was going to say dubbed by someone from the Disney Corporation, you know, doing <laughs> exactly. the voiceovers. The uh, she does get some really good, like in the next scene too, when they go to the CCTV camera thing. Some looks on her face are pretty good. I think I think she's someone who needs a good director to bring out a performance. You know, it's like yeah. you, you watch like Tarantino movies. He usually uses a lot of non actors, you know, in bit roles, and he gets really mm-hmm. good performances out of them because he knows how to talk to them. I think Justin Lin's probably very good with actors. I think she has a really emotive face, um, mm. but her line delivery is garbage. It's very dry. Yeah. It's like uh, I do have to point out, though, she's a much better actress than um, the the other former fighter we're going to see in the next few movies. Yeah, we'll compare. Yeah. We'll, Which we'll get compare. there. We'll get there later. I have no oh. idea who you're talking about. That's right. We'll, we'll keep it that way. Okay. ARB. It's a spoiler. Hobbs asks Riley if she's okay, and uh, she's fine. So he moves on to talking uh, to Tej, asking him if he was able to find any footage of Owen's crew. Tej says that wherever Owen's team is, the cameras are down. And Hobbs says that's a hell of a coincidence. Yeah, so just Ryan, like Jeffrey Epstein's cell. Oh, boy. Timely. <laughs> he and Riley go to pay uh, the CCTV people a visit. I, I assume this means the city-controlled camera system, essentially. Yeah. London's closed-circuit cameras. I didn't even know there was a CCTV division that the police maintain, but I guess there is. Does it exist? Uh, well, London is like, well, all of England really is kind of like heavily monitored with uh, with cameras everywhere. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's. I think I think I read somewhere that London, yeah, it is it is the most monitored city on the planet in terms of cameras per per square foot. Yeah, you know very what? invasive. I want to say that was kind of a plot point in like Skyfall or something, but I feel, I feel like they've, that's been something that's been brought up in other action movies. But yeah, that's really- have, you, have you guys ever uh, thought about the idea that that 15 years ago you could do a Born Identity movie where he's getting away from the authorities, but now with all the cameras everywhere, they'd know exactly where he was. They'd that's be like, oh, he's, so, he's in a warehouse. Partner. He's what? That's yeah. why you have to have a, ha- a hacker partner. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of ridiculous. Because then all you have to do is follow where the cameras went down, and you'd still be able to track them. Damn it, that's true. Yeah. You need to be a police person, uh, Detective Vito. <laughs> Detective Lapicola. But there's, Pikachu. there's, yeah, Pikachu. Uh, <laughs> there, there's always that thing that happens, like, because Chris Gore always talks about this, like, especially with horror movies, like, cell phones have kind of, you know, screwed over the horror genre. Mm-hmm. So now they always have to do something like, you know, oh, my, my cell phone's dead or, oh, my cell phone, you know, conveniently fell in the toilet or, you know, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. So I'm sure they would be like, you know, oh, the system's down. We have to reboot it. You know, that's when the, the protagonist gets away or whatever. Exactly. Right. right. Uh, and meanwhile, Tej, he sees the grappling hook gun and Han says it's a new toy for Tej. Whatever that means. Dom asks what happened, and uh, Han tells him about Owen's men showing up and them shooting up the place. 
Uh, Giselle says they got something big though. Braga is working with Shaw. Dom and Brian both justifiably look shocked. I love the faces they both make because it's like two movies ago. Yeah, yeah. She but talks- it, it is it is still really great. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Morgan really does tie all the loose ends up that he needs to and and really make this one big cohesive saga. But when they do make a reference like this to Braga or, say, Vince, for example, it's kind of like it, these sort of fan service references are done so well. And there are instances later that we'll talk about, not necessarily in this movie, but that aren't done so well. Right. Right. And, you know, just sort of, I don't know. I think, I think these incorporating these references in a believable way that makes sense to the story and adds something to what's going on is the right way to do it. Um, so they know that Braga and uh, Shaw are working together Giselle tosses a phone down, and Han says the phone is filled with coded payments to Braga's cartel. I believe this is Farouz's phone that she's using. Mm-hmm. So they got some info there. Roman asks who Braga is. Dom says he ran one of the biggest drug cartels in Mexico, and Giselle says he was her old boss. So bringing that character back. I love it. Yeah. He Did was He like- was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Did you like that, Anthony? Do you care about this at all? Um, yeah, I, I liked the the idea of bringing Braga back, um, but this is the uh, the gripe that mm-hmm. I have with this scene. It's really weird. Um, so they're they're they ask you know like, well, where's Braga now? And Brian says, oh, he's in uh, you know L.A. in a federal prison. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to Roman, and Roman says, how do you know? The next shot is of Brian. And, like, he takes a breath, like, he's about to expose it, like, you know, oh, I put him there. Mm-hmm. And it just quickly cuts to Dom, and Dom's like, because he put him there. And I, I'm, like, watching that, and I'm like, something's off about it. Like, did, like... Is this a weird edit you're talking about? Yeah, it's a weird edit. Like, did, you know, Paul Walker, like, deliver the line weird, and they got, you know, Vin Diesel to do it, or... That is possible. Justin Lin did not mention it on the commentary, but it, that's a valid it, theory. It might just be nothing, but it just felt off to me. It's like you have like, you know, physically Brian is like getting ready to tell the story or at least, you know, say like, oh, I put him in prison. And then Dom just like swoops in and, and just does it. And it just it felt weird it out of place and just time. kind of disruptive. Could be. Well, maybe maybe it was just one of those deep. Oh man, that's a long story. Breaths, and so Dom finished it for him. I, I didn't get you know? that, but that that might be it. But it didn't it didn't feel that way to me. Well, Brian says this is their big break, and that he's going to pay Braga a visit. Roman, ever the sensible one, explains to Brian that he's a wanted man, and it, as soon as he steps off the plane, it's a wrap. It's over. So, yeah, this this you know, plan is a little is a little nutty. Well, in fact, Justin Lin goes into on the commentary just about how this makes no sense, but it had <laughs> to be done for the story to work. At least he's aware. I mean, why why can't you have someone else go in there and find that out? They're millionaires; they could pay a because prisoner I, to find you this. You get out. more of a personal closure, I think. When I and, know, and, and I know minutes, but it's... this fifteen minutes does not include uh, the Braga interaction. So I am kind of curious to, to catch up on how that goes again. 
but despite the uh, the silliness of Brian extraditing himself to fucking L.A. just for this purpose is pretty silly. It's a it's a lot to swallow. And he only has a twenty four yeah. hour window. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They always they always set up the stakes. I love I love how. Oh well. First of all, we get Stasiak again. Planet Stasiak. Well, but, hang but we're, I, we're I, skipping over the okay, whole TV scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't worry. But quickly, Tej says, forget about getting out of the country, America. How's even going to get in? Brian says not to worry about it, and Dom silently observes. So he's got some kind of plan, I guess. Oh, well, and then Brian does say that uh, it's the one that Letty, uh, Braga's the one that got Letty involved with Shaw, and so Brian needs to be the one to make it right. So that's why he feels like it's a personal thing. So anyway, Hobbs and Riley arrive at the CCTV building, I guess, where the CCTV surveying and recording happens. Hobbs explains to the man in charge that his men were attacked earlier, and he needs to see all the cameras around Waterloo Station. Now, for some inane reason... The CCTV guy starts laughing at this. He looks around at his workers and says, well, someone tell Captain America here that requires clearance. Can you imagine The the Rock as Captain America? (laughs) No, I can't. I can imagine The Rock as Namor. I think he'd be a great Namor. Yeah, that's true. I could see that. Yeah. Mm. Especially with Momoa playing Aquaman, how they'd want to get somebody... The equivalent, you know, at Marvel, I could see him as Namor. I hope Kevin Feig listens to this podcast. So, uh, of course, he does. Everybody does. He's our first (laughs) subscriber, sir. I know he was a early, early on. Um, I just thought the 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 boss's behavior here makes no sense. Uh, You know, I I call this I call this the CSI excuse. This is this is something that screenwriters do because if you think about it, you have to create tension in every scene, right? A great movie. The, the the reason why you watch some films and they don't come off as well as others is because some people don't know how to write tension in every scene. So mm-hmm. Marvel movies are great at that because every time heroes meet, they have to argue or fight first, and then they mm-hmm. become buddies and they keep going. That's the tension that keeps the screenplay moving. And if they'd just gone in there and said, hey, we need to see these cameras, and the guy goes, blah, 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 thank you, bye. What what mm-hmm. does that what does that really do? And I'll so bet- on every episode, sorry, Zach, no, on no, every no. episode of CSI, Anytime they bring – they always interview three people, right? And the, the three people they bring in, no matter who they are, you're in the fucking police station surrounded by cops and they're asking questions. The person's like, I ain't answered your questions, pig. You ain't got nothing on me. Who does that in real right. life, right? But you have to do that to create the tension in the scene that moves the scene forward. So this guy literally has to be a douchebag just to show that The Rock – is dominant and that the rock, you know what I mean? It, it, totally. it, it enhances the scene. They, they if you didn't have that in there to be boring. Yeah. Right. It's the CSI. I call that the CSI effect basically. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I bet uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Don't keep tabs on who has more hits and punches and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe they do. Well, Captain but, America and Iron Man both routinely get their asses kicked. Exactly. And it yeah. serves a story purpose. Yeah. Um, apparently Riley has the, clearance that uh is required she hands this guy a sheet of paper and uh, the cctv guys tells terry to bring up cameras 58 through 62 earlier today earlier today he says that's i mean it's got to be past noon at this point that's a lot of footage to go through that's all i'm saying 
Uh, Terry says that the cameras have been down for maintenance all morning. CCTV guy just shrugs like, what can you do? And Hobbs thanks him for his time by shaking his hand really hard. I I gotta tell you, I did. I really loved the menace and the restraint that uh, The Rock showed here. Absolutely. Especially when he was like, we appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Like, and, and the I've, dude's hand is like bright red when he lets it go. Like, yeah. I, I do like how intimidating he was in this scene. Yeah, I agree. Because I've, I've given The Rock a lot of shit uh, lately. And I thought this was a perfect, uh, The Rock was utilized perfectly in this scene. Um so yeah, I agree with you. Well, it's I, there. There's a weird thing. I remember reading. Um, I forget which of the movies it was that Jim Carrey. It might have been, might have been the Truman Show. I mm-hmm. think the director of the Truman Show basically said they they said, "How did you get such a nuanced performance out of Jim Carrey?" And he said, "He's one of those kind of actors. You have to sit down and tell him, hey, you've got a lot of energy. I need you to sit on that. Like I can't." I don't need all of that energy in every scene, which is why you don't get an Ace Ventura performance out of him in that movie and why it's so subtle. I think think The Rock, it's what? Gore Verbinski, I believe. I I think it was Andrew Nichol, maybe. Um, It was the guy who did Gattaca, but I could be wrong. Um, I'll, I'll look it up in a if anyone wants to. I think it was an Australian. Dra- I don't know. I'll look it up in a second. But anyway, like my point is that I think um, The Rock is one of those guys. We've pointed this out a couple of times about how he tends to get really over the top, especially in like Hobbs and Shaw and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to listen to the director and really sit on it. And it because w- when he shows restraint like he does in the scene, mm-hmm. he's great in the scene mm-hmm. because he's not being over the top. Uh, and being weird. Okay, so it was Andrew Nichol who wrote The Truman Show, by the way, and Peter Weir who directed Peter Weir. Ah, yeah, so a great fucking Australian director. I can't believe we forgot his name. But um, totally. yeah, you when you sit on The Rock, um, you get a better performance than when The Rock sits on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he gives, he gives this guy the old tight handshake. Yeah, you could hear the bones creaking. They're... <laughs> You know, the dude, uh, again, could have been really comical. Yes. Yeah. And it could have been comical, but the guy plays it straight. You know, he really looks like he's in pain. It really works. And this is this also is where I wanted to point out where uh, Gina Carano is really good. She's just sitting back and watching and Mm -hmm. it's her looking back and forth at them like it's a tennis match with this like smirk (laughs) on her face. It's pretty great. Yeah. And she's like she knows Hobbs and knows that this guy is not going to get the better of him, most likely. Um, Hobbs says that it's interesting because Interpol was attacked recently and all the cameras were down then too. Hobbs says that means either their maintenance schedules line up perfectly with uh, Owen Shaw's escape route or that someone here is working with them. And then Hobbs is still squeezing his hand. And the Hobbs tells the, the, T, the CCTV guy that he's going to need citywide access to their cameras and to put a hold on any upcoming maintenance. And I even put my notes, this version of Hobbs is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, have you noticed something about Hobbs in this particular movie? Everywhere he goes, he's, what, seven feet tall, probably (laughs) uh, 280 pounds, pure muscle, and everybody gives him shit. Yeah. Oh, look, you're not some baller. You know, (laughs) there's the other guy. Who who are you to come in here without paperwork and ask me, you know, the what for? I mean, it's like, who's going to give this guy shit in real life? Exactly. You know? It's entertaining. Do you guys think that Gina Carano's character was originally supposed to be played by a, or was originally supposed to be Eva Mendes's character? Because they did kind of hint that. They totally did. 
that's a good point. I would love for that to have been Eva Mendez, but I, I guess you wouldn't have been able to get the the same twist at the end. Of Spoilers. Ryan. I know, but it seems like it's worth pointing out. Wait a minute, though. I I I had not gotten that idea. What uh, what in this movie led you to believe that it? That Nothing. I just I just remember her. it from. I just remember it from previous viewings. Well, I mean, it is it is weird. I mean, I think we talked about that before about how she shows up at the end of the last movie for like a quick cameo, yeah. And you're like, oh, it's a great, it's a great, you know, little nod to show that the second film really happened, Anthony. And that's uh, <laughs> bad tuna fish dream. <laughs> the tuna fish dream, but um, but it but it goes to show that you know this this amazing interconnectedness of this world. But yeah, I think maybe I, I would have liked to see if she was like somebody that they kept in contact with throughout the movie. Like he reported to her or mm-hmm. something, you know, like, but I, I read somewhere that she basically took all the time off she did from acting to have kids with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So, hey, you know, can't blame her. Right. They needed to have their perfect, you know, fucking Hollywood babies. <laughs> so, you know, maybe maybe they did offer this part to her and she turned it down. Could be. And hey, there's still plenty of other movies that she could uh, get involved in. You know, maybe she'll be in Fast 10. Who knows? Uh, So Brian arrives in L.A. on a jet for some reason. He's handcuffed and already wearing a prison uniform. And he's greeted, like uh, Vito said, by good old Agent Stasiak from Part 4. Stasiak. I can't believe they brought that guy back. And it's really great. Planet Stasiak. And Justin Lin even mentions uh, just how much he liked working with Shea Wiggum and how cool it was to have him back. So that was cool. Shane um, Wiggum is one of those uh, one of those character actors that's always welcome in a movie. He was great in Kong Skull Island too. If you guys haven't absolutely. seen that, he's he's fucking great. I totally agree. Oh yeah, he's the the kind of wise dude, right? Yeah, he's like the older guy on the team. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty amazing. The basically the I ain't got time to bleed type dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, uh, oh never mind. That's that's not important right now. I'll point it out yeah. later. Oh, sorry. Uh, Stasiak asks Brian how it is that Brian can travel all around the world, breaking every law known to man, yet Stasiak is here risking his job to help him out. Brian tells Stasiak that he'll feel a lot better when he gets the credit for taking down Shaw. Not sure. Is that what would happen? Probably not. Who knows? I know, right? It's just what he tells him. Stasiak says maybe he'll just settle for Brian. And And I loved that part. Yeah, I loved it. That was a cool line. They they get into some little insult banner banter there, which was cool. Um, well, it's I mean you know I think he begrudgingly, you know, respects Brian. I mean he got he got the credit at the end of the last you know at, at the end of four presumably yeah. for all of the stuff and everything like that. So it's like Brian hands him these these little nuggets. You know what I mean? So I, I could see where he respects him, but kind of hates him too. Yeah, I like that relationship, and it seems believable based on previous events. So, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And this is what um, Anthony had mentioned. Uh, Stasiak gets got Brian admitted into Victorville Prison to do whatever he needs to do. However, he only has 24 hours because at 9 a.m. the next morning, forensics are going to run Brian's fingerprints through the national database, and when they find out who he really is— Stasiak won't be able to get him back out. So apparently none of the guards at this prison know what Brian looks like. Who does Hobbs work for again? The uh, DDS, the Diplomatic uh, Diplomacy Service or the Defensive Diplomacy Service, something like that. Would they have no pool in like, you know, 
That's a great question. Well, see, that that was what I was thinking was like, why didn't he just arrive with Hobbes and Hobbes say this man is in my custody? It's it's a Hannibal Lecter situation where he's under, you know, he he's under arrest by me. Essentially, we're working with him to like go in and get this guy. Yeah. Go in and do it and then fly back out. It's not like. You know what I mean? Yeah, they'd want to arrest him, but Hobbes would have that kind of pull. He's presumably somebody who's like way higher than anybody else, you know, in law enforcement. He's like one of those special guys that can do whatever the fuck he wants. Plus, then we would get Stacey That's true. That's true. Fair trade. Yeah. Uh, And even though it's completely insane that Brian would just fly off to L.A., go to prison and confront Braga and all this stuff. Like I said, Justin Lin felt it was important to the character to confront his demons and deal with Braga on his own. Justifiable. I appreciate that. It works for the story. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they get to the prison. Stasiak unloads Brian's personal belongings like his wallet and stuff. And he sees a picture of Mia and baby Jack and says, cute kid. Yeah, you know, and and that I thought that adding that line right after he informs that Brian – may end up spending the rest of his life in prison adds a real tension sure. to what's coming. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it kind of puts a period on the end of the sentence. It's like, if you spend the rest of your life in prison, you're literally never going to see Mia and Jack again. Cause Mia's yeah, wanted this to, is what so you're losing. It's not like, yeah, she mm-hmm. can't, she can't come to visit him or she'll get arrested. So, I mean, you know, it's, this is a do or die all or nothing situation here. Totally. Totally agree. Uh, Braga is being held in cell block D3, which is solitary, but Brian was only able to get into a gen pop, general prop population. And uh, Stasiak says Brian's going to have to do something to get Braga's attention. So Brian smashes Stasiak's face into the wall. What a dick. He, I love I love that he immediately he immediately has the solution. He's like, you're going to have to do something, whatever. And he's like, sorry, yeah. man. Like immediately. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean? He's crack. Yeah, yeah, he breaks Stasiak, Stasiak's uh, nose, and he's like, again? Yeah, I love that. Like Again, like a little reference to the previous thing. That was cool. Made me um, mad. They did Stasiak yeah. dirty. Uh, he can't catch a break, Stasiak. What, now, Stasiak. What was what was what was stopping Stasiak at that moment for being like, you know what? Fuck you. This is Brian. Con- Brian I know, right? I like, can't he, why don't you just throw his ass into prison for the rest of his life? Exactly. Yeah. So they're back. We're back in London. Tej is hooked into the London CCTV system, and while he and Riley check the cameras, Roman picks up the grappling gun and starts to play with it. Tell, Tej tells him it's not a toy. I do like that Roman is just out like fucking with the the technology and stuff. And uh, Tej takes the gun from Roman and explains that he upgraded it. He reversed the gears, torqued the motor, added some motherfucking Nas. Product placement. Dude. <laughs> well, I, what is, guys, what does reversing the gears do? Well, I have he, no I, 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 I do have to it's point like out. Reversing he said the was, polarity. He, he did say it's high tensile titanium cable that's mm-hmm. used to anchor buildings and hold up bridges. So, like, we can add architecture and engineering now to Tej's ever-expanding knowledge base. Yes, yeah, so um, one of his ten degrees. I mean, like, how do you fucking know about that shit? So he he really that that American career college fucking shit went a long way for him. Divorcing but I, I do, Suki is the best thing that ever happened to him. It's what divorcing Suki? Suki is the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, to exactly. Him. It was like the greatest thing in his life. But I do <laughs> wonder what it means to reverse the gears on something. Like, why would reversing the gears make it more powerful? Yeah, is that even a thing? Like, what what is it going to retract? I mean, I don't understand. 
totally, totally agree. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe look into it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it was it was amazing that they had to work Nas into the movie somehow. They yeah, were like, there, was, there was like some executive at Universal who was like, "Guys, you know, I think we're really losing the racer base. Um, <laughs> we need to find a way to put Nas back in here. Plus, they're sponsoring the movie, so exactly." You know. Us. Han approach. Uh, maybe it was Neil Moritz. He's like, we got this deal with uh, Nas. We got to work it in somehow. Um, Han approaches uh, Dom and tells him that he found the location of a street race going on later. And Dom seems to be interested, but before he can answer, the grappling hook suddenly lodges into the wall between him and Han, and that ends our 15 minutes. You know what's amazing? What's that? Is the hook slams right into the wall between them, and neither of them are the least bit shaken. <laughs> I know they are very nonchalant about it. They're like, they're like, oh look, Rome's being a fucking moron again. <laughs> yeah, like, like this sort of thing happens all the time. If that had been an inch or two, well, maybe not an inch, but maybe a foot or two to the left or right, one of them would be dead. Yeah. And they're like, Rome. Exactly. Han gets pierced by a. a Literally pierced by a grappling hook, and the space-time continuum explodes because, wait, Tokyo Drift. Oh, that would have sucked. But right anyway, now, right? yeah. But uh, I I, re- I thought there was a lot of cool stuff in, in this 15 minutes. We got like a, a really cool version of, of Hobbs, who I'm very hot and cold on. And uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I thought I thought the – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. It, it's been my f- favorite 15 minutes of this film so far. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I agree. I think the character work in it is really great. The fight choreography is very dynamic. It moves. There's not really like a wasted moment in the 15 minutes. There's mm-hmm. a lot happening. There's a lot of exposition that they have to get through that they get through. We get some great nods to old old movies. We get um, you know references to like where the series is going to go from here mm-hmm. with the interactions between the characters. Um, Giselle finally gets her moment to shine. Uh, yeah. We see that Letty for the first time in the series, because she's never really had a fight scene like this no. before, you know, that shows how competent she is and how like street smart she is. So yeah. there's a lot, a lot in this 15 minutes and it's a pretty damn good 15 minutes. And we, we kind of glossed over the, the scene with the grappling hook a little bit, but um, I, I thought that Tyrese and, and Ludacris had really good chemistry mm-hmm. like, and it wasn't obnoxious. It wasn't like it. I don't know. I was I, I was really impressed with with Tyrese kind of. If he continues back. in this kind of uh, tone, do you think you might turn on Tyrese eventually? Well, I saw Fate of the Furious, so I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So no. <laughs> well, what can you do? If you get Gary Gary Gray in your movie, then uh, you know you got to prepare for the worst. <laughs> Damn! Shots fired. Uh, we we love F. Gary Gray, right? But uh, uh, when when he makes the negotiator straight out of Brooklyn, exactly, or straight out of Compton. Sorry, I, I thought out of Brooklyn was all the characters person. in this fifteen minutes were utilized really because there's been some instances in, in this movie in previous of our episodes where it's like maybe that character shouldn't have said that line, and everyone seems very much in line with their personalities in this fifteen minutes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. Well. I guess that's it for uh, this uh, section of Furious Six. Is there anything going on elsewise you guys want to mention? Or 
Uh, I recently did an episode of uh, the Fanbase Weekly, oh, yeah. which was a 20th anniversary um, edition. Well, it was, a, it was for the 20th anniversary of The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it featured Justin Penniston, who's the creator of uh, the Hunter Black comic. He's written for Avengers Assemble and a lot of like animated series. Illustrator Chris Thorne and then you know the founders of Fanbase, Bryant and Barbara Dillon. Um, I thought that was a pretty pretty cool thing. So please go check that out and support the fan base weekly. Yes, Anthony. Nope. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Yeah, well, Anthony, you've uh, you've been a champ, dude. Friend. You've you've been going through some stuff, man, and and we're we're grateful that you're sticking around with us, man, and that you're you're taking it in stride. And I'm happy that you're back. Uh, when we're able to record in person, we're going to have some guests coming up, folks. We have not mm-hmm. uh, just because of technical difficulties and the fact that we weren't all in the same room. We haven't been booking guests, but we do have some pretty cool people. Uh, I don't want to announce them because whenever we announce them, for some reason, they suddenly can't make it. But uh, we do have some uh, some really great guests that we've got planned uh, for upcoming episodes and stuff. So please stick around and keep listening. Well, I just want to say that, you know, you guys have been very patient and understanding with the situation I'm going through. And that means the world to me. And, um, you know, I I hope the the listeners feel the same way and they aren't getting fed up with. All the technical difficulties and and the lack of guests and stuff like that. Just uh, bear with us. Hopefully, we're we're kind of in the end stretch of things. But the show's not the same without you. Yeah. Well, that's that's absolutely true, man. We miss the vroom vroom bitches. That's right. And, Copyrighted. Uh, <laughs> that's right. And speaking of our our, our hashtag, uh, check us out on Instagram. We're doing, I mean, pretty pretty good. We're about mm-hmm. to get to ten thousand. I'm very excited to get the little K. Next to our follower numbers, so yeah, check dude, out there. you've been killing it. You've been killing it, man. I got to point out, you're just you're doing an amazing, amazing job with the Twitter and with the uh, Instagram stuff, man. Thanks, man. I find it difficult to maintain a presence on Twitter because you know there's only so many hours in the day. But uh, yeah, Twitter is a so fast podcast. Instagram is so fast, so furious. Our Gmail is a uh, so fast, so furious podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got another uh, email from uh, from Wes, the the guy that pointed out our our Tago and uh, Santo uh, concerns and the naming conventions there. And so we appreciate him uh, checking in and continuing to listen to us and uh, everyone else out there. And feel free to uh, subscribe and download and give us a review on uh, iTunes and all that stuff. And check us out next week, hopefully. <laughs> Cross your fingers. That's right. Yeah. All right. See you next week, guys. Thanks. Bye.